But on the business side, the average person in assisted living today is paying $4,000 a month. Instead of just making 10 to 20,000 once or twice a year, selling or flipping a house, how'd you like to make 2,000 to 3,000 passive income every month for the rest of your life? How about 5,000 to 7,000 per month? How about 40,000 to 50,000 every single month for the rest of your life? If you said yes, to any of these questions, you need to sign up for Anthony Chara's One Day Apartment Investing Workshop on April 13th. Visit iCore's website for more information. That link is in the show notes. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam A. Adams, and today I'm with Gene Carino. How are you, Gene? I'm doing great, Adam. Good to be with you. You better be doing great. It's good to have you. And Gene is the resource, the expert on all things residential assisted living. In fact, he actually has the Residential Assisted Living Academy. So you'll go to RAL. Is it doc? What's the website, Gene? RAL dot. Actually, RALacademy.com. Perfect. So if you want to learn more, that's where you go. And today we're really going to kind of learn how he got into this and what is residential assisted living anyway, because some of us know and other of us are wondering what that entails. So Gene, why don't you tell me kind of how, how did you even get into the business? Yeah, well actually I've been doing real estate since I was 18 years old. Uh, we, I was a professional musician as a teenager, myself and my brother, we had a music school, recording studio, small record label, and we were tenants. We had a landlord and the property was, not very nice and the landlord was even worse so we were there for about two years and uh, we said we're either going to shut this down or we've got to get a new place looked up the street saw a for sale sign and bought that property with no money down because we had no money or credit or a clue and that was the beginning of our real estate career so did fix and flip the you know multi-families and small commercial and it wasn't until about it was actually 20 years ago i'm, I'm older than i look no, I'm kidding, but I've been in real estate for about 40 years, but it was about 20 years ago when I heard somebody talk on this topic of the baby boomers and assisted living and senior housing, and I was very excited, but he didn't actually do it. He just said, you should do it. So my interest kind of waned, and it wasn't until my mom needed help about six years ago that it all became very real for me. So at that point, I said, I'm going to get in because we couldn't find what we were looking for with my own mother. And I said, we're going to create the solution. And that's what we did. And I've been teaching people how to do it ever since. That, that's incredible. So I, um, I, are you familiar with Mitch Conrad? Mitch Conrad by name, yes. Yeah. Uh, he, so he, he does uh, some residential assisted living. I think he has attended your classes. And that's where he really learned how to do it. But um, he's got a few facilities and they they just do so well. It's it's really incredible. So um, I know you have a few facilities and you've been teaching people how to do this. So let's start by just trying to understand what kind of money can you make in one of these? Let's just say we have one property, just one house with, let's say, eight beds. What are, are you going to be making like $1,000 a month from this or some other amount? Got it. So let's kind of set the table. There's real estate and then there's a business play. On the real estate side, to just lease it to an operator of this kind of a group home, this assisted living for the elderly, you might be able to charge twice the market rent with a five-year lease. So that's a great play in itself. 
But on the business side, the average person in assisted living today is paying $4,000 a month. And the average size home is typically about 10 seniors in one of these homes. So the gross income monthly would be forty dollars or $50,000 per month. And your expenses, when it's all said and done, you're going to end up netting about 20 to 30% of that gross income as net profit after all of your expenses. 20% usually. 20 to 30%. 30% okay. is our goal and 20% is acceptable. Okay. Got it. Got it. And so... There, so I know a couple of facilities where the owner operator is making even more than 20k net. Right. So, so is that an anomaly or? No, I'm just trying to give you conservative numbers. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. But um, so using the conservative, it, it's it's uh, totally feasible to make eight to ten to twelve thousand dollars a month net. Yeah. That's, yeah, when, that's incredible. And when we teach you, we do it on an average home and so on, but we're going to encourage you to do above average home, uh, more people like, I believe you're in Texas. Is that right? Uh, actually, I'm in Colorado, Denver. In Colorado, what a great market for this. You, you can actually have up to 16 people in one of these homes, which is phenomenal. Texas, same thing, up to 16 people. When the numbers get that, that large, if you're charging 5,000 times 12 or 16 people, uh, the gross income goes up significantly and your expenses only go up just a very little bit. Mm. So the idea of 20000 a month net uh, absolutely is obtainable in the right markets. That, that is awesome. So um, for, for you and what you've been teaching, you've been educating for about six years? On this topic, yes. Okay. What did you do before that? Well, you know, it's, I've been, like I said, around for a long time. So when I was doing the real estate uh, originally, 18 years old to like 25 or 30, uh, people were asking me to teach for them. So there's companies all, all across the country now that teach and educate people. So I taught for a lot of other companies. I was the guy who would do the actual teaching because we had the actual experience. Uh, so we taught for a lot of the bigger names for two decades uh, doing that. So real estate investing, entrepreneurship, stock trading, uh, those were really the main three topics. But right now, I do just one thing, and that's the residential assisted living, and I don't do anything else. Okay, so with the residential assisted living, we talked about beds. Uh, now, you mentioned 16 people could be in Texas or in Colorado, 16 yeah. people, maybe paying five, six, seven, three, five, six, seven, eight, nine thousand dollars a month per person. Yeah. Um, so, what I guess the question would be is if we could use Colorado as an example, sure. um, does that mean you have to get a 16 bedroom house? Well, first of all, you and I both know that doesn't exist. They don't build them <laughs> like that. So it might be a house that started off as three or four bedrooms, but there was extra space that was converted. And some of those bedrooms in three or four bedroom homes are really big, can be divided into two private rooms. But you can have two people in a room, semi-private. Some states allow you to have three or four. I don't recommend it, but you could. But most of these homes start off life as just a residential home. They might be 3,000 square feet, so kind of on the larger side. And then some of the extra space is converted into bedrooms. Maybe garages are converted into bedrooms. So the idea of having 16 people, you're going to probably have at least eight bedrooms with two people in each. If you did, if you could have 16 bedrooms by expanding and so on, that would be better because you can charge anything you want. In a private room, you charge more. Private bathroom, you charge even more. 
Awesome. So there's a lot of people that there's a, several people that are experienced in doing additions in adding to the back. And um, this would be a really good strategy for them. If, if they could take like a 2000 square foot ranch and turn it into a 4,000 square foot ranch, they would probably just based on what you're telling me with cash flow and just adding those bedrooms and bathrooms onto the back, it seems like a giant, giant return. Is that something that any of your students have done that we could talk about? Absolutely. And as a matter of fact, that is the perfect example. The idea of it being in the right location is critically important because you can scrape away whatever's there and rebuild it. But the right location, even a small home that you now add on to. So in, in Colorado, so we could say Denver, but Colorado in general, we've got a lot of students actually who are there. And a lot of times they're two-story homes. And that second story, you could have seniors up there, but sometimes seniors have mobility issues. So it might be easier to keep the seniors on the first level, expand into the garage or put on the addition. And that would be more of a normal, if you will, quote unquote, situation, taking a house in the right location, expanding it for that use as the senior facility. Okay. Okay. So two questions then on what you just mentioned. Number one, uh, what would you do with the upstairs unit if you weren't going to have it with the seniors? Uh, so I'll let you ask that. I'll answer that first and then I'll sure. ask you the second one. Yeah. So the seniors can go upstairs. It's just a matter that for some of them, the mobility issues of going up and down a flight of stairs could be an issue. But you could also use it for office space, for storage, for if you have caregivers that are live-in, they stay overnight, they could stay in that second floor. Because uh, usually with two-story homes, the second floor is bedrooms typically. So if you're going to have bedrooms upstairs for the seniors, either they are mobile enough to get up and down the stairs, Maybe you add in a chairlift of some kind, so that floating chair up and down the stairs. Or if the home is significant enough and it's worth doing, even an elevator up to that second or even a third floor is a viable solution. Uh, because realistically, the money that we're talking about making, if you spend uh, $30,000 on an average renovation, but this is $100,000, that extra $70,000 in renovation, if it can help you produce $15,000 a month, it's a no-brainer. I mean, it's just, you count the numbers and anything that pays itself back in 12 months or less is a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah, that, absolutely. So the, you talked about chairlifts or elevators if you were going to have the seniors being on multiple levels. Uh, other things that I uh, wanted to bring out uh, just to consider are just questions on, on putting in a sprinkler system in, indoors. Um, is that something, at least in Colorado, is that something that's required? Is that something that's a nice to have? It is. Uh, I'm going to put it this way. Even if it's not required, whether you're in Colorado or not, I highly recommend that you do it because you want those residents to be safe. It's only fire suppression anyway. It doesn't put out the fire. It just gives people time to be safe. Uh, so I believe it is required in Colorado, but a lot of states say if you have only five or six people in residential assisted living, you don't need it. Above that threshold, you do. I do want you to go above that threshold. But again, even if you're in a state or area where it doesn't require it, I'm gonna highly recommend that you do it because I want my residents to be safe. Absolutely, that, that makes a lot of sense. So what about, um, what about grab bars and doors and carpet? Yeah, when it comes to the house itself, the most important thing is senior safe. 
That doesn't mean ADA compliant. So grab bars near the toilets and showers, important. Smooth floors, I would take out carpets, put in hardwood, linoleum tile, easy to clean, no more trip hazard with the carpet. And then wider doors if you can. A 36 inch door, which is a normal wide door at Home Depot or Lowe's, but that makes it easier for moving furniture, for a walker or even a wheelchair to get through that entrance to a bedroom or bathroom. Awesome, awesome. Okay, so I want to take my first steps into doing residential assisted living just because I heard this podcast and and the amount of money making ten or twenty thousand dollars a month entices me. Uh, where do I start? So the, you know, obviously, I'm going to tell you learn all you can before you start. But the first thing is location, location, location. And when I say that, we're not talking mountaintop or oceanfront. We're talking demographics. So I want to be near lots of people rather than a few. So don't do it in a remote location. I want easy access. So think if I were to drive there, can I get there easily to go visit mom? And then demographic wise, I want to have upper income. So if median income is here, I don't want to be focusing on people who are on the lower income. It wants to be upper to, you know, upper middle, but not the top of the top, the cream of the crop, but Something where if the average income is 50,000, 60,000, I want to be where it's 80 to 100 or above because those people can afford to take care of mom in a private pay situation. That's important to know, Anna, because we don't focus on Medicare and Medicaid. That would be $2,000 a month. I think in Colorado it's $2,200 a month. That's not what we do. The average person in a home period in America today is $4,000 a month. So if I'm charging less than that, I'm just hurting myself because I've got X number of beds. I can only fill them with one person in a bed. And if I can charge 6,000 or 2,000, I got to charge the 6,000. It just makes sense. So that's private pace. We want to be demographically in an area that the people can afford it and they're of the right age. Okay. So private pay is better than Medicaid or Medicare? Yeah, I think in, in, when we talk about multifamily and any kind of rental property, the equivalent would be Section 8 housing for a family. The idea of Section 8, we know it's good solid income. You bill it, you get paid 30 days plus two weeks or whatever it may be. But you're dealing with a clientele that is going to be limited to what it is they can pay versus somebody who can afford you know, more than 2000 a month, what the government would pay to house them and take care of them. They're paying four or five or six or 8,000. That's either coming from their own income, social security, the family, their assets, but that private pay allows us to charge anything we want. Uh, and that's, that's really the target market for us. Got it, got it. Okay, uh, what about if, well, and I might completely be off base and that's okay, but I do want to ask the question because it's in my mind. Um, is there ever been a time that to have an assisted living, a residential assisted living uh, space, house, that they would require you to have a certain percentage of your uh, residents on Medicaid or Medicare? Is that ever? No. 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 Okay. Unless, and I will say unless, see, sometimes people do it the other way, saying, can I get free money from the government, a grant or something? If you were to do that, then more than likely, they're going to require you to accept a certain number of people for a certain number of years, which it just frankly is just silly to do. It's not worth doing. Mm. Uh, so in general, no, that's not what we do. And you're not required to take anybody other than you want. You can reject somebody based on what they can pay, their level of care the family's attitude, they're too demanding. 
we don't have to accept anybody. So that's a good thing as well. Okay. So speaking of the level of care and medications, not Medicaid or Medicare, but medications, um, what, uh, what do you normally see in the facilities that you're teaching people how to do? Are they administering medication or not usually? So the key point to this is that what we do is not medical. So it's not doctors and nurses and gurneys. It's not a hospital. It's not a medical institution. It's a home. Now, most seniors, and I say most meaning, yeah, probably most, 90% of all seniors are taking some kind of medication. So the medication itself, the caregivers that are trained and certified by the state, whatever it is they require, they're going to pass the medication. So it's not injections or bags of fluids, but here's your pill, grandma. And they give it to them. They pass the medication. They write it down. I gave it to her at 8 o'clock. She either took it or didn't take it. But that's what the caregiver does is help facilitate that medication management. But they're not injections. It's not doctors, nurses, and gurneys. Got it. Got it. So, so you said if we're going to move in to this space and start making great money, um, first, we want to get educated. And then the second thing you mentioned was location, location, location. And you gave us some really good tips on making sure that the median income in the area that we want to be is above average so that people yeah. can pay the, the amount that they need to be able to pay as private pay so we don't have to take Medicaid because you said there's no reason to get paid uh, 2500 or 3500 a month when you could easily get pay, paid 4000 5000 or 6000 a month. You could charge whatever. That's correct. All right. So yeah. after getting educated and finding the, the optimal location, what would be um, additional steps that we would take to get into this business? So the next step, and we're going to start, I'm going to, I'm going to say education aside, because you're going to get that. You're going to get education one way or the other, but I, I hope you do it properly up front. But the first step is location. Second step is know the rules of the game. So that means zoning, building code, uh, what does it mean to be a manager? What does it mean to be a caregiver? So the state regulates these things to a certain level. And then locally, there's going to be certain uh, qualifications of what you can and can't do. So for instance, in Colorado, the state itself will say you can have up to eight people in a home, but we have students that have 16 people in the home. And that's because there are things you can do to get exceptions to that once you're up and running. So we know how to play the game of getting the applications done and so on. I noticed there's a radio outside in the hall now, so hopefully that'll pass. As a matter of fact, can you see if you can help with that? And uh, so there's rules of the game. And once you know the rules of the game, then you can learn how to... <laughs> it is what it is. It's live TV, folks, so you go with it. So the rules of the game are the second thing. And the reason why I say that is because if I didn't say that, Adam, somebody who's listening right now is going to say, I know the perfect house. It's a huge house. It's got seven bedrooms and eight bathrooms. It's 5,000 square feet, and they're giving it away. Well, if you didn't know that location is critical, it could be a complete waste of time or energy suck and time suck because it's the wrong location. So don't find the house first. Find the location based on what I said, then the rules of the game. Once you know the rules of the game, now you go look for the house. And the key to that is once I find that great house, I can get it. I jump on it. I got it. It's mine. I already know what the rules are. My next steps are. If I do it the other way, you're going to find a great house. Then you're going to go research the rules. By the time you find that out, if it's a good deal, it's gone. And maybe you're making a mistake because I don't want you to learn this all 28 different times in different ways. Location first, rule second. 
then we can go to the next step and all the way through that process we have is 10 steps long. Okay. So with the process, the 10 step process, I want to confirm that you don't look at the first step, do the first step and then look at the second step. It sounds like what you're saying is you look at the first, you look at the steps and you make, and you pick out and then you actually, you, you implement the business plan based on the steps. Right, you learn all the steps, and then you go through the checklist to make sure that. And then once you've gone through the checklist and say, "I know exactly where I want to be. I know the rules there. I know this. I know that. Now I'm going to go and do it. Now I'm going to go find the property and and etc." Is that right? That is correct. And what you just said was the education of knowing what all the steps are. And we all know that steps don't. This starts and finishes. Then this one. They all meld in together. But that's exactly right. Learn the steps. It's a checklist. Now I know what to do. Step one, two, three, four, all the way through till we own the home and we're up and running. Okay. And let me ask you this on ralacademy.com. Um, is there, what, what do people find if they, if they go there? Is there downloads? Is there education or what will we, what will we see there? You know, there's so much information there, it's, it's phenomenal. But I'm going to give you another resource that's actually an introductory training. Uh, but on REL Academy, when you go there, there's webinar, there's videos, there's uh, case studies, there are testimonials, there's all of those things. But there is an introductory training that anybody can go to, including your listeners, very simply, ral101.com, ral101.com. Okay, I'm, I'm writing that down, even though it seems easy. <laughs> R-A-L, the number one, the number zero, the number one, dot com. And that's, that takes us directly to the introductory training course. Yeah, you put in an email because we're going to send that to you. And it's, it was really what it is, is uh, I'm going to be coming to the best ever conference. We're going to get a chance to see each other there. But yeah. a lot of times I go to a location and people really want to learn more. So I'll do like a five-hour presentation. So I took the essence of the five hours, boiled it down to about an hour and a half, and then I chunked it down to about 15, 20 minutes. There's seven sections. So I took that hour and a half and broke it down into seven sections of about 15 to 20 minutes each. So when they go to the website, they can walk right through it. Tons of information boiled down from a five hour down to an hour and a half. So everybody can consume it easily. Awesome. And most of the listeners know that I'm here in Denver. And yes, I will be at the, uh, at the Best Ever Conference. Gene is going to be another one of the amazing speakers at the Best Ever Conference. Just a plug, um, the Best Ever Conference is the best conference I've ever been to. It is phenomenal. So if you have an opportunity to be there, I would definitely take advantage of that. And then Gene's going to be doing a course a day after, like on Sunday, the 24th, right? Yeah, actually, they, we worked it out because I'm actually flying from another event to come to the Best Ever Conference. I'm so excited because they've invited me for the last three years, and I finally get to be there. So I'm going to do a section on Saturday, but then I'm inviting anybody who signs up for it to a uh, free admittance to that next day, that Sunday, the 24th. I'll do that five-hour presentation. So come out. I want to meet you live, have a chance to share that with you. And if you sign up through them, no charge. It's my gift, their gift to you. That's, that's incredible. That's awesome. All right. So with that said, go to ralacademy.com or ral101.com and learn a little bit more about Gene Carino, what he's doing and how he's able to make so many people make so much money and doing the right thing. Because he always talks about the, uh, the, the silver tsunami 
and doing good, but and doing well. So uh, right. do do the right thing and and make a lot of money doing it. And one thing that I've heard you say, which I love and respect, uh, that that you've brought up, is that when uh, you're getting into this business, I I've heard you say, don't just do it for the money, right? You've you've got to actually. Uh, there's other, at least if you're the caregiver and you're owning the business, you, you, it, it needs to be something that you love. But if you want to own the property, if you want to own the real estate, it probably, I don't think it matters too much. Is that right? Well, but again, do good, do well. The older I get, my birthday is coming up this weekend. The more I realize it's not about the money. It's not about the stuff. It's what we leave behind, you know, your kids, your grandkids and others that we affect positively. So that do good and do well. Absolutely. Whether you're an investor in multifamily or you do residential assisted living, do it for the right reasons. It ain't just about the money, guys. There you go. I love it. Any other parting advice before we let you go, Gene? Yeah, I do want to share that very simply, I guarantee everybody who's listening to this, you're going to get involved in assisted living one way or the other. You're either going to own the real estate, operate the business, or you or a family member is going to be lying in a bed writing a check to somebody who does. So right now you've got a choice, choose carefully, but you can help a lot of people. And this is where the puck is going. This is the place to be for the next 10, 20 years. The silver tsunami is unstoppable. Come on in, the water's fine. Awesome. Thank you so much. And until next time, think outside the box. Hey, podcast listener, thank you so much for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I really appreciate you coming back and back and back. Remember, I'm not an attorney. I'm not a CPA. Everything you hear on this is not specific, specified real estate advice for you. I do have a friend. His name is Anthony Chara. He's a friend of the show, and he actually has a one-day apartment investing workshop coming up on April 13th. If you want to go to this apartment investing workshop, here's what you do. You go to iCourse website for more information. That link is in today's show notes.